Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. First, I'd like to take a moment today to thank all of my listeners out there for spending your precious time listening to this podcast. I'm very honored that you take time out of your week and your day and that you find the information that I have to share of value for you and your family. And also, thanks to all those listeners who have sent emails telling me that they love to share about this podcast. So thank you all so very much. Now, last week, I mentioned that I've gotten behind on answering some questions, so I wanted to put some time aside in this episode to catch up on those. So I have three great questions this week, one on sibling fighting and aggression, another on temper tantrums in a nine-year-old, and the last one from a mom of an infant just wanting some guidance on when to start learning more about a lot of these topics I cover in the podcast so she can be ready. So the first question comes from Mary, who has two boys. Dear Erin, I'm loving your podcast and use your tips daily. They've been so helpful, but I'm having a big problem that I'm really hoping you can give some guidance on. I was already having a rough day and I got a text from a friend that she saw my two boys walking home. They're six and nine and my older one was basically beating up on my younger one, punching, hitting, not out of anger, but according to her, it looked pretty rough and my younger one She said, looked like he was on the verge of tears. This was the second time this had happened. I was mortified and embarrassed. My older boy tends to get pretty physical and he's big. The younger one is sweet and gentle and just tends to get bowled over by the older one. He just doesn't seem to realize his own strength. What can I do? So Mary, I know it's tough to differentiate boys being boys with the unacceptable or aggressive behavior. I have two boys and they will wrestle and play physically and inevitably someone will get hurt, usually the younger one. I get them separated and two minutes later, they're right back at it. Those are the situations where I just explain to them that if they wrestle or play physically, then they are accepting that they may get hurt because I'm not going to stop what I'm doing to watch and referee every move. But what about when the physical play is unwelcome? So first, we want to teach all of our kids, but in your case, you especially want to drive this home with your younger one, that his body belongs to him, that no one has the right to touch it in any way that he is not comfortable with. So he needs to let that person, in this case, his brother, know right away he's not interested in wrestling or physical play. Teach him to be assertive and say, stop wrestling, stop hitting, stop punching me. I don't like it. Then you need to work with both kids, but especially drive home with your older one, that no, don't, or stop mean just that, and that he needs to stop what he's doing immediately. Now, our three kids all know this rule ad nauseum. They still overstep the boundaries from time to time, but it's a very strict rule in our house. It's a really big piece of teaching respect, which is pretty much our number one family rule. So the rule for us is you only say stop don't or no one time. If the person doesn't stop immediately, you come get mom or dad. So you can start by implementing those rules. Now for the victim child, you want to give attention without overdoing it. You don't want to enforce the victim mentality, but you do want to teach empathy to the offending child. So you would want to ask the child who got hurt, are you okay? And then maybe something like, how can we make it better? Allowing that child to come up with a way for the older child to make amends. 
have the offending child help the child he hurt. He then should also get a coaching session about respecting boundaries, about empathy, how the other person feels, how he would feel if someone didn't listen when he said stop. If it happens again in the same play session, you can have that child sit out, the offending child, of course. And this is all subjective. It depends on the age of the child, what's going on, but you make a judgment call about when to bring in a consequence. The overall message is that this type of behavior won't be tolerated. It is absolutely unacceptable. The onus is on the one who doesn't want to engage in the play, whatever it may be, to say so loud and clear. After that, it's up to the other child to respect the boundaries and stop the aggressive play immediately. These lessons have so many implications, from bullying to sexual abuse to rape. These are important lessons for our kids to learn, understand, to know, and respect. So now, what do you do when you aren't around? Because this has happened several times already, it's becoming a pattern, and you really want to send the message that it will not be tolerated. It means these two boys can't be alone together until you feel confident you can trust the older one to be responsible and respectful enough to handle it. So you need to find an option, whether the younger one can walk home with a friend or another classmate's parents can pick him up and bring him home or for a play date after school, or you can walk them home yourself, whatever you need to do. But I would find another alternative to have adult supervision or have them walk separately. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. 
I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Now the next question is from Kayla who's having some trouble with her nine-year-old daughter. She says, my nine-year-old daughter has been having massive temper tantrums every day for the past five days straight. I have no idea what's going on with her. This behavior just doesn't seem normal. Is this normal? Is it a stage? Do I write it out or should I be intervening somehow? Luckily, they've all happened at home up until now, but I would be mortified if she threw a fit like this in public or at someone else's house. Please share any tips or insights you have. Thank you. Oh, and I love your podcast. I'm so glad I found you. Well, I'm so glad you found me too, Kayla, and I love sharing information and supporting and helping however I can. So thank you for sending in your questions. Now, first, I want you to take a few minutes to think about what might be happening in your daughter's life. Has anything changed that you know of? Is school starting? Have there been shifts in friends, schedule changes, or is she just getting overtired from activities or other commitments? Is she getting enough sleep, which would be the nine to 11 hours straight at night? It sounds like from your questions, and I'm reading between the lines here, but that this is a new thing for her. So if so, take a few minutes to think through any changes that might be happening or any stressors she might be experiencing, including not enough sleep. And I'm going to give you some background information, developmentally and behaviorally speaking, and then I'll give you a plan of action for helping her to find better ways of sharing her frustrations, hurts, etc. So when a child over the age of four or five has a meltdown, it's no longer what we call the true or pure tantrums. These pure tantrums are the tantrums toddlers throw because the emotions are overwhelming and their logical brains are not developed enough to share their emotions in a more mature manner. But after four, and definitely by five, the logical brain should be on board enough. So tantrums or meltdowns are then what we call manipulative tantrums. These are the tantrums thrown to try to get one's own way, or even just to get attention. Negative attention is still attention. So while her feelings and upsets are real, her methods of sharing them are inappropriate. So I'll share steps on how you can help her get that turned around. So first, during a quiet time, when your daughter is calm and hasn't had a meltdown in the previous 20 minutes, sit down and have a talk with her. Tell her you've noticed that she has been having trouble managing her frustrations lately. Ask her questions about any new changes, anything that might be bothering her, or if she's feeling overwhelmed or tired. After you have this conversation and flesh out if there is something going on or not, and deciding together how to start to tackle any of these issues together, if there are any, then you want to discuss appropriate ways of sharing frustrations versus the inappropriate ways. Appropriate ways would be things like using I statements. This is saying things like, I'm feeling ignored because you said we would be going to the pool today and now we aren't. I'm frustrated because I'm so hungry and you said we don't have time for a snack before we leave. You can also teach her ways of calming down before addressing the situation. 
if she's too angry to share her feelings calmly. She can take a few deep breaths, walk away and be alone for a few minutes to calm down, count to 10 before responding or any other number of ways. Then you want to let her know that if she does throw a fit, you will not respond during that time. You will only engage with her once she has calmed down and can share her feelings more calmly. Then you will do just that. If she has a meltdown, walk away. Do not engage. Getting angry or frustrated back actually perpetuates the behavior. So go in your room and shut the door. Walk to the neighbor's house. Walk around the block whatever you need to do so you don't react. Then once she has calmed down, you can engage with her, but do it as if nothing ever happened. Don't ask about the tantrum. Don't point it out. Act as if it never happened. This way you're not bringing any attention to it. Manipulative tantrums only last if they work to bring attention. Now, if she does then come back later and share her feelings appropriately, great. Go ahead and then respond to her, sharing her feelings appropriately. So there are a couple of classes that you may want to look into if you want more in-depth information and guidance. The first one is communication tools, where I cover the iMessages and some other really great communication tools in much more depth. Or you also could just watch the discipline tools for elementary age kids, and you may find that some of the other tools are also very helpful in this situation. You also may want to check out the tantrums class as I cover more in depth with examples and a couple other things you also want to steer clear of when dealing with these manipulative tantrums. And all three of these classes can be found in the discipline section on the site at yourvillageonline.com. Now, my third question for the day is from Stephanie, who is a mom to a six-month-old girl. Stephanie says, I have really enjoyed your podcast. I've been sharing it with everyone. I was wondering, though, if there was a class or strategy you would recommend for preventing some of these common issues. I currently have a six-month-old little girl. Do you have a class or classes that would help me now to build good habits and patterns of parenting and expectations to possibly avoid some issues down the road? Don't worry, I have no expectations that this will eradicate all future issues, tantrums, behaviors, but I figured if my husband and I could get a start now, building a good foundation, those issues will be easier to deal with as they come up. Also, do you have suggestions for ways my husband and I can start to make sure we're on the same page with parenting? Thank you, Stephanie, for sharing about the podcast. I really appreciate it, and congratulations on your baby girl. It's such an amazing time. I love your proactive attitude and it will make this difficult journey of parenting much easier and more enjoyable too. The first class I recommend for prevention that is perfect for your baby girl's age is feeding and mealtimes for infants and toddlers. I give some really valuable information on raising kids with an adventurous palate and love of healthy foods to avoid so much of the pickiness we're seeing these days. And the best time to start this is actually when you first start feeding her and in the upcoming months when there's a time period where infants start to go through a process called neophobia where they are afraid of new tastes and textures. So if you can get lots of new foods into your baby before that point, you can already get them started on that healthy eating. But you also wanna make sure that you're introducing the foods in the right way so that you're avoiding any possible issues with allergies. 
Now, all the discipline classes are designed to be preventative and to strengthen relationships. So think of discipline as a way of interacting. Discipline means to teach and guide, not to punish. So the classes are designed to help parents teach and guide their children, which research shows that the positive discipline tools I teach result in more cooperative behaviors, as well as kids who are more goal-oriented. But you do have some time before you would need to use any of those. The earliest would be around 14 months. 14 to 18 months is a good time to start learning those good, solid, positive discipline techniques. At that stage, you could watch discipline tools for toddlers. Tantrums is also a great class to watch as early as 12 to 14 months to gain an understanding, have those prevention tools ready, and have confidence in dealing with them when they do occur. I also recommend the Intro to Discipline class, as it explains a lot of great intro information on parenting styles and their outcomes, which are all research-based, as well as some good background information that isn't too deep or boring. It also talks about the science behind rewards and punishments and how they fall short. These classes are also the same ones I would recommend for both you and your husband to watch, to be sure to be on the same page and having the same understanding and knowledge base. I also strongly recommend the self-esteem class as your daughter gets into toddlerhood or preschool age, as girls' self-esteem on average peaks at age nine. And this is a trend I would love to see turn around. Then, of course, power struggles is a great one to watch when your daughter hits around one and a half to two to get a handle on that common occurrence. And as you probably already know, all of those classes can be found on the site at yourvillageonline.com. Most of them are under the discipline section, but the self-esteem and the healthy eating classes are under the health and development tab. So I have some great episodes coming up, or at least I think so. So I hope they're interesting and helpful to all of you as well. But if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, let me know. Next week, I'm going to be talking about preschool shopping. How do you go about shopping for a preschool that fits your family, your values, your schedule? What questions should you ask? What's the difference between Montessori, High Scope, or any other number of early childhood education philosophies? And what are some hints and tips that tell you that it might be a good idea to steer clear of that school? And the following week after that, I'm going to cover a new area and one that I don't hear talked about very much, and that is kids, sports, and competition. Coming fresh off the Olympics, I thought this could be a very interesting topic to shed some light on, and I expect to start seeing an influx of kids into a lot of these sports from the Olympics. As you may or may not be aware, our oldest is showing to be quite a promising swimmer, so much so that his coaches have started calling him Michael Phelps. I'm trying to squash that, and don't even get me started on that, but at seven, they're saying he's now ready for the advanced swim practice. He's certainly not the first seven-year-old, nor the only seven-year-old, to go to the advanced level. But he's expected to practice a minimum of four days a week, and up to five for an hour and 15 minutes each practice. So obviously, this has become an area that's near and dear to my heart. It's also a huge topic for consideration and discussion. So I want to cover some basics to share with parents on how to guide, support, and protect their children in the world of children's sports. Whether that child is showing an aptitude or is just participating for friendships, self-esteem, increasing skill, and enjoying physical activity, and building healthy habits for life. And let's face it, most kids are not going to become professional athletes, Olympians, or even get college scholarships for sports. 
These are all important points that I'll touch on that will help parents find that balance and gain a deeper understanding of where that line is when physical and athletic performance help versus hinder the development of their child as a whole. Now, if you have a parenting question, please be sure to send it to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. To see what episodes we have coming, you can go to yourvillageonline.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and see you next time.